everybody. Welcome back to Being Human from an Alien's Perspective. This is Chris. I'm here with Lisa. And hey, we're hey. ready to fill your ears with more of our banter. <laughs> more of our, so, um, what is it? What's the word? Uh, charming witty, banter? Witty, charming. Witty, not, that's right. Witty banter. Intriguing, <laughs> educational. And Zen looks at me like I'm crazy. He's laying on my chest. He's like, oh, what are you doing, Mom? Has he already eaten? Yes. <laughs> He's not getting any ideas. Does he know the word food and treat? Um, I'm not, I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. He just smells. He's got a very good sniffer. It'll be interesting when we get them together to see how that goes off. I actually was really shocked um, taking them to Megan's on su- Sunday because earlier in the week I took him over there and he got along with one dog. We actually think she's a little bit Sheba. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like part Sheba, part Border Collie. Um, and she's usually the uh, assertive one out of the two of Megan's dogs. She's usually the, you know, the protective one, the alpha. Right. But with him, they they just just sniffed each other. And then I took him on a walk together. And I was like, oh, OK, this is good. He's doing good. And then the other one came out because I said, let's do it separately. Let's introduce him separately. And the other one came out and he's part lab, part pit bull. Mm-hmm. And he's a crazy one. He's like off the charts, like rambunctious. Right. And he went right for Zen, like stupidly. Not he doesn't he doesn't get the clue of the other dog, like growling. Like he just goes right for him. And of course, Zen is nipping then, and because that's Zen's issue, it's he he's awkward around other dogs too. So if they challenge him, his instinct is fear. Mm -hmm. You know, he's afraid of them. But if they just kind of are just walking next to him and they're chill and he's chill he's usually chill mm-hmm. um but yeah her dog came right for him and they were you know barking and growling and i was like okay this isn't gonna work and the other dog didn't like step in and tell its pack mate to like because my neighbor's dogs the older dog will shut the younger dog down really yeah, she pins um, her to the ground if she gets too rambunctious. Well, I don't know if we gave it a chance to do it. I, I kind of was like, okay, this is enough. Like, I just pulled back. I just wanted to see, like, what it was like. So then I was unsure about taking them on Sunday because I said, well, we'll go early. We'll introduce them again, see how he does. And if it doesn't work, then we'll just go. You know, we wouldn't, we won't stay there. So that was the plan. And we took, I took, I guess I took them there, like, I got there at, like, 1230 and you know they met he met the one that he got along with first and he was sniffing her and they were sniffing each other and then Megan's like well do you want to bring him in and I said in the house and she's like yeah and I said oh yeah all right let's try so I bring him in and immediately he like wants to run away (laughs) he's just like I want to get out of here like right now but we finally got him upstairs and then I gave him peanut butter on a spoon and all three of them were licking from the same spoon. Oh. 
And I was like, okay, this is good. And then just little by little, we just kept, you know, making sure that they were okay. And he, he just fell into line as like a pack mate. Like he just. Yeah, that's what'll happen. And now every time you go over there, it'll be the same thing. Right. Which is good. It's really good. I mean, but by the end of the day, he was done. Like, he's just like, I, I'm done. Cause they started, they, they tug of war, they play, you know, but mm-hmm. it was too much for him, I think. Cause he's like, he's like behind us, like watching them, like, okay, I don't know what they're doing. So can we go please? Like, can we yeah, get out of here? Teach him how to play tug. Well, I kind of don't want to because he does have that instinct anyway. And He's a nipper, man. Like, that's the thing. So when we came back here, I told you, like, we were supposed to tape and we actually fell asleep because it was just such such a. Yeah, it was stressful, even though we had fun. Like, it was stressful because we were watching him the whole time, making sure he wasn't. There's four kids there, you know, we're like, make sure he doesn't nip one of them by accident, you know. Yeah, it's like taking a kid to a party. Right, exactly. To an adult party. Like taking right. a child to an He's adult like party. a 10-week-old puppy in a six-year-old body. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but, um, yeah, so we came back here and fell asleep. But then we took him out at night. And I'm thinking, oh, he had such a good day. Like, he's probably, like, exhausted. And it's going to be a good walk, man. The f- and it was snowing that night. Like, it was, mm-hmm. it was that night that it snowed. Well, we walked outside. There was fire trucks outside because I guess there was some fire in another building, not ours, but the building across the street. So there were like four cop cars, three fire trucks. They all had their lights on. There must have been everybody in their na- in the neighborhood was out with their dog. He freaked out. He was just like nipping at everything that was close to him. <laughs> He's just yeah. like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah. Like, I just want to get out of this insaneness it was insane and it was snowing and they were plowing and you know, there was all kinds of like vehicles on the street well be and we, walk, we were walking to Wegman so you know it was like we couldn't just let him go out and pee and turn around like we, we were out of milk god forbid so we, we never had away. milk we well, never had milk Michael cannot go without milk he has to really? milk every night yeah but he has strong bones but he does have strong bones. I know. <laughs> He's worried about mine because I don't drink milk. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, well, so that yeah. was that's the dog thing. So yeah, I mean, you know, this is what happens when we rescue animals, and um, you know, that is you know something that you you know like myself, you like to be a savior. Yes, exactly. But right. saviors have good you know, results, you know, for our efforts and, you know, just as equal, sometimes bad results. <laughs> My, I had a choir director in high school that used to say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I was like, yeah, yeah I get it. I get it. Yeah. I had a boss that told me no good deed goes unpunished. Right. And he was absolutely <laughs> right. And I still use that phrase. And when I, and I'm still in contact with him, Mm-hmm. And I always remind them, I'm like, you know, that has stuck with me all of these years. Do you think that's because we really aren't meant to help people? I'm starting. We just think we are. Uh, you know, um, I believe that we truly need to help each other. You know, being a Christian, mm-hmm. my, you know, my take on Christianity without getting too deep into anything is we got to love each other. 
Yeah. You know, um, and it makes sense because it makes life that much easier. Yeah. Oh, I but, totally agree with that. You but know, I, mean, I, I think when we when we set out as a savior, like we see something in someone else and, you know, we resonate with it. Right. We mirror it sometimes even. Right. And I think more than helping them, we're helping ourselves, but we think we're helping them. And that's why it doesn't go unpunished. You know, it's like, it's like, well, that person never asked for my help. So, you know, and maybe they're on their own journey, needing to learn a lesson of, you know, themselves. Why are we interfering with that? You know? Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's probably some people that we were just not meant to help. Right. Um, but I mean, for me anyway, I can't help helping people. Right. So I can't either. In order to manage the need to do that, but also the need to be healthy, to not put myself at any risk. Yeah. Um, physically, mentally, um, you know, I have to set hard boundaries. Yeah. And I've had to cut people out that I've helped in the past because they're not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And no matter what help I gave them, it wasn't going to help them anyway. Right. There's some people that you just can never help. They're always going to be miserable. They're always going to fall into the same patterns. Oh, right. They're, they're going to do the same things. Um, but what makes it worth it is that one time that you help somebody and it could add up to be hundreds or thousands of times in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. But that those times where you see your kindness pay off, mm-hmm. you don't have, you know, it might be something that you don't even have to do, like holding the door open for somebody or, you know, I went over to the neighbors the other day to turn the Eagles game on her. Cause I know she on for on her TV because she, she thinks her TV is broken all the time because she can't mm-hmm. operate it. Right. Um, but I knew she loved Tom Brady. So I went over <laughs> and made sure that she, I went over, made sure that the game was on for her and that everything was good. And that I checked in with her, try to check in with her at least once a week. Um, and it's kind of self-serving, right? I mean, I feel good helping people. It makes me feel good. I'm not really, I guess I'm not really focused on what the outcome is, uh, yeah, whether it's good or bad or. It does. It's it's it is self serving to some, in some respects. It's like a good drug, right? Exactly. It's like a high. It's like I like I do what I do on a normal basis without the thought of really helping anyone. It's just I just am who I am. Um, and when people come back to me years later and they say, you know, I had that conversation with you five years ago, and because of that conversation, I did this or. Um, you just made me feel so good that day. And I just wanted to tell you that now, you know, like I walked away from that conversation feeling, uh, cared about and seen or heard or whatever, you know, I don't necessarily think about it as helping people anymore. Um, I think I did that in a lot of my relationships more so than friendships. I, I wanted to, um, I I wanted to not necessarily change the person, but I thought that the person would needed <clears throat> help from me to to see the light, you know, or just 
to see that there was another way of living. You felt it was your mission. My mission. To get them on track. Right. Exactly. I don't feel that way anymore. No. And I've been there and I, I know how that feels. Part of me now is just sort of, instead of helping people, Mm-hmm. Now I think I just try to do positive impacts, you know, each day. It doesn't have to be a person. It might be uh, seeing a dog and petting it or uh, picking up a piece of trash that's blowing up, you know. Right. It's just being you. It's just being a genuinely good and kind person, you know. Right. But I, I need to keep it closer to the vest. I get too involved when it comes to people. Mm-hmm. in trying to not just fix their problems, but, you know, almost, I don't know. Well, and then you begin like to take it to personally too, right? You, right. You like start I feel to, like I have to protect invest, them. right? Right. And I can't do that anymore. No. I mean. It's a drain. Uh, it's a drain. It's, and sometimes it's a toxic drain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a situation at Christmas where uh, a former podcast guest of ours, Matt, mm-hmm. um, I talked to him and he counseled me on this and he told me straight out, he goes, you know, there's certain boundaries that you have to set when you help people. He goes, but you know, if I were you, I just wouldn't help certain people. Right. He goes, he you right. love a wounded bird. Yeah. And I met my wife. My wife was a wounded bird and she, while we were having this discussion, cause she was listening, mm-hmm. um, she said, I'm the last wounded bird that you're going to help. Yeah. You know, in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's hard when you've spent your whole life trying to help other people um, or be kind to other people. But sometimes it really can throw a wrench into your life and your plans and your relationships, your career even. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the worst worst blowback you've had from trying to help somebody? Um, the worst is always, it always is, um, is my detriment. You know, it's, it's not really that they've come back and done anything to me. It's just that I've sacrificed so much of myself at that point. Right. Emotionally, you're dead. Emotionally, mentally physically financially sometimes um because i've always putting other people before me you know so i make sure that they're okay at my detriment um i don't do that again anymore (laughs) but yeah i I think the worst things that have happened with was that i lost myself you know that is yeah that's but you came back around and do you feel like you found yourself and you've overcome that roadblock or found a detour around it and got you back on your path? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, right in the beginning of COVID, I, I kind of, and probably a little bit before that started making a lot of changes, realizing a lot of those things about myself and creating boundaries, like you said, um, and cutting the people out of my life that, were draining to me um they weren't i started with the whole reciprocity thing um Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that resonates with you but i realized that there was there was a lot of people that i was giving 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 and receiving don't get me wrong i i received too 
but it was it was like a it was like an 80 20 relationship right. it wasn't you know the, it was wasn't like at the same level that you were giving right right and some were nothing at all some that weren't reciprocal at all but I was again a good person and I don't hold things against people like you know petty things um or what I thought was petty I guess so I just started with that like it was like okay so if there's no reciprocity in this then I'm out I'm it's peace out for me you know right and it caused some upsets and a lot of um really good friendships um and I still consider those people good friends but it's just not the same the dynamic is not the same yeah that's I mean when you I mean you lose any of those relationships even you know even if they weren't close relationships but you invested that time I mean it hurts and you carry that with you and you hope you learn from those mistakes Mm -hmm. but I mean it's taken me a long time to get to the point now where I'm able to set any boundaries and make uh, rational decisions for myself when it comes to helping other people. I mean, I felt a little bit lost, you know, coming into the end of the year because this had happened. And I realized that I could really no longer help women that were in need. Yeah. Uh, advice or you. protection. That was my whole life. Yeah. Ever yeah. since I was maybe, I don't know, seven, eight years old when my mom married my stepfather and I had to take on a protector role. Right. Exactly. And, I, I was just going to say that that's exactly where it comes from. So at least you know where that comes from. Right. I, it, but I mean, it took me, um, you know, it took me almost 50 years to figure that out. Yeah. Um, and that was through a lot of counseling. I have a lot of, you know, I, I think that, uh, therapy, talk therapy is incredible. Incredible. I've had the same therapist for a really long time. We're good friends now. I mean, I think we just call, we call to chat more than a a therapy session anymore. It's, it's good. And, you know, um, there were some valid points, um, when, you know, I had this exchange with my friend at, at Christmas time over a misunderstanding, but he had said a couple nasty things. And one of them was, you know, you consider yourself an armchair psychiatrist and you really need to be careful when you're giving advice to people. And you know what? That's spot on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a licensed therapist, but yeah. I'm a life therapist. Right. Exactly. And I always point out that it's based on my own experiences, good or bad. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, I'm getting to the, you know, I'm to the point now where I really just need to focus on my daughter's safety and Samantha's safety Mm -hmm. and I can't save everybody. Mm -mm. And those are my main focuses right now. And Livy, of course. Right. And you're Um, a good friend, you know, like, you know, you'll be there if anybody calls you. Yeah. You'll be there, you know, but you don't interject yourself when you're not asked. That's all. Right. But even now, some people, if they ask certain things, not give advice to anybody in their 20s. Yeah. Never, never <laughs> giving advice. I'm out of that game. My therapist today told me, she goes, you know what? I think you should still help women, but mm-hmm. nobody under the age of 30. And I said, 30? <laughs> I said, I'm thinking 40. <laughs> 50. Is the cutoff. 40 <laughs> is the cutoff of, of any assistance. Right. 
Um, no, I mean, my close friends, I'll always, you know, do anything for, for them. Mm -hmm. I'm just not taking on any new clients in that regard. <laughs> um, you're, you're taking in your shingle for that. Yeah, I can't. I mean, there's just, there's just too much risk for me mentally, yeah. um, legally, Right. Um, you know, I, you know, I felt guilty about maybe le leading just sort of a quiet life, but I always forget that I put in almost 30 years in the corporate world, put my, you know, I put myself through college and grad school and, hey, you deserve it. you know, you deserve I deserve it. to have, you know, so I'm, you know, well, I think that's I part of our human condition too. Like, why do we feel like we need to suffer to have something good? You don't have to suffer to have something good. I have what I want. I, I, I don't, I'm satisfied with what I have because, you know, we, I think we had said this when we were talking about when Americans leave the United States to go live somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like I'm comfortable with what I have. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that have some crazy thing, you know, more, mm -hmm. but more so there's people that have so much less and, you know, I need to be, you know, grateful that, you know, I'm, I'm able to not have to go back to a regular nine to five job. You know, I do some things, bring money in here and there. Um, but it's, you know, I'm set for retirement. Yeah. And gratitude goes a long way to fulfillment. I mean, when you can be grateful for what you have, you know, not what you want, um, you know, that that's something to be said about contentment, right? Um, yeah, it, it just leaves you peaceful about your life. You, you're not in a state of lack, right? You don't feel like you're missing anything because you're just grateful for what you have. And when things yeah. come that are, you know, even more than what you have, you are even more grateful. Right. You just, you know, you accept, you know, I just sort of accept whatever happens at a given time because I've lived my life in survival mode mm -hmm. for almost my entire life. Which is completely stressful. Yeah, it's and yeah, it's very stressful because I, right. you know, makes me hyper aware of everything. Right. Which is you know, zen. You're you're basically zen in a human form. <laughs> right. Um, right. But you know, I'm to the point. You know, I'm just to the point now where um, I'll help people that I feel I I can truly help, but I'm gonna have to run through all these calculations in my head. Yeah to make sure that I don't put myself in any, you know, jeopardy of emotional, you know, stress because this is going to end up being, you know, a nightmare. Now I've helped a lot of people that it's worked out, but I mean, most of my help in the past was focused, as you know, on helping women escape abusive relationships mm -hmm. um, and get back on track with their life. I typically only dated women that, came from abusive relationships which is funny because my first wife came from like like the cunningham family really you know like perfect uh no no problems uh -huh. um and obviously that didn't work for me you know and unfortunately you know we got divorced but you know i met samantha and you know we built a life together and i've helped other women <clears throat> before and you know during but I can't, I, I just really can't do that now. I need to focus just on Aaron and my daughter and Samantha. You think you can do it? 
after this last experience, a hundred percent. Yeah. I don't miss talking to people that I had already cut off. And this sort of like, at first, like I said, towards the end of the year, I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, but you know what I did? I what? enjoyed some Net- I enjoyed some Netflix. I enjoyed some- <laughs> my dog. I got stuff done at both houses, you know. Um, and I'm just gonna, ch- you know, I'm just gonna chill. And if people come along that need help, you know, like friends or family, uh-huh. then that's that's what I'm gonna f- that's what I'm gonna focus on. I'm and not honestly, I mean, this podcast, I, I know both of us had kind of hope that it would be helpful to people. We, we might may not know who we're helping and that's yeah. okay too um and eventually i would love to have some call-in guests and and things like that so that we can talk to people one-on-one or um you know help them out personally but um i think that's that's kind of a win for you too right if you can help people through this yeah i mean if somebody can uh learn from my mistakes or um, you know, I think sometimes I sound a little self-serving on here, but I having gone through the last several years of my life and the fact that I've been able to salvage my marriage, that my daughter graduated college and is uh, working or trying to find work in a field that she has a passion in mm-hmm. and getting to the point where we are now um, where, you know, we're comfortable. And we're making new memories outside of, you know, we've picked up the pieces of our our shattered life Mm -hmm. and we've stitched them back together and we're going to make new memories. And I'm super grateful for that. And, you know, that was a result of me trying to save my wife. Mm -hmm. And I've been rewarded by her still being with me after all these years. Um, But... um, you know, it's if I can say anything for anybody who's got a savior complex, I think they call it. But, you know, set those boundaries early. There's nothing wrong with helping people or, you know, even a certain demographic or type, if you will, of people, you know, person mm-hmm. or people or situation. Yeah. You got to set boundaries early because you're just you're you're going to you're going to run into so many problems if you don't. Oh, of course. And I think a worthiness comes into that, too. You have to know your worth. Um, I think a lot of helping people is because we want to be seen as, you know, wonderful people and so giving, caring and, you know, so great. Right. But because we don't feel worthy in and of ourselves. So we're looking for that praise outside of ourselves. Like know your worth when you know your worth then you have boundaries and yes. you and it's and it's fine to help people um you just don't get taken advantage of um, right i thought my worth all of those years in helping those women that were in abusive relationships was because the only thing i thought i was good at was fighting right and right. that's not healthy no no and you know another thing that always sticks with me is something my dad said to me once he's like you know, it's always surprised me that you've never killed anybody and nobody's ever killed you. Wow. And, you know, living a, a more peaceful life like I have over the last several years, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's it's nice. It, it really is, uh, you know, I'm falling into a zone, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, and I don't know if that's like our age right now, too, that we're just a little bit more settled and more experienced and uh, you don't want to set the world on fire, right? <laughs> no, um, I mean, it would be great if it happened if I lit a spark and it turned into a fire. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe something I'll write or say. But I mean, we'll be epitomized somewhere in some, you know, in stone or book or. Yeah, I'm happy if there's a laugh that goes out in the universe from something that I say, you know. Or somebody quotes me sometime. I'll have to come up with some good quote. Oh, I'd love to do a a quote today. I was texting with a friend that's a realtor, Uh and I, I zapped out a slogan for him. He's like, "That's pretty good." I'm like, "Feel free to use it." You, <laughs> you do come up with pretty good slogans i have to say that well my therapist today she's like you know with this extra time you could just go back to work and i'm like oh nobody said anything about me going back <laughs> to work i said You're i'm not bored yeah i said look i'm not bored <laughs> by any means she goes but there's so much that you can do you're so smart i said not that smart oh, i said smart. Ah, i don't think i'm i think i i think i i play a good you're game. smarter than the average bear you know what i know a lot of words <laughs> okay that's smart you know a lot of words you have a good vocabulary that's good that's good you know what that's sometimes I just throw, i'll throw things out there like i did on essays in high school where i didn't know what the fuck any of this stuff was. <laughs> and i would write like a whole page of nonsense taking i would just take whatever that blurb was in that paragraph uh-huh. and i would work up an entire page of writing that means you're very words. creative um, I never considered myself that creative, but um, <laughs> it's not what you consider yourself. We never see ourselves how other people see us. No? I think that's an episode in and of itself. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's maybe that's the next episode. Okay, well, let's do it because we're right, right up against it right now. We're right up against it right now, and I'm surprised that Zen has not barked to end no, the episode. He's passed out on the sofa. Well, I'm going to go pass out on the sofa myself. <laughs> Me too. Because it is it is cold down here in the studio. Oh, okay. Well, I have to let you go. I know I'm warm in my apartment. But... Oh, well, you enjoy that. Thanks. I'm going to head back upstairs where there's a fire. <laughs> where it's warm uh, and a fire. Okay. Thanks for joining, everybody. Take care, everyone. Peace out. All right. Good Bye. night. Bye.